Hello, women's hockey fans. Welcome to another episode of the Founding Four podcast. So as you know, this is the women's hockey podcast that is independently run, traditionally NWHL-centric, but we also run bonus episodes that cover the college game, international hockey, the PWHPA, and more. A special shout out to those who are helping grow the Sports Talk with ELA podcast network. Um, of course, that's run by me, your host, Erica Ayala. You can find all of that over at my Patreon. So that's Sports Talk with ELA, stands for Erica Lindsay Ayala. And if you want to follow the Founding Four podcast, which is up loaded every Thursday, you can go to at Founding Four Pod. If you want to follow me and the work that I do in women's basketball, women's soccer, you can follow me at elindsay08. That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. All right. We have another great week of NWHL action. This is our regular episode. We put up a bonus episode where we talked to Jordan Geron, and we're actually going to go into our signings. So Jordan Geron signed a PTO with the Boston Pride. The Pride were on the road and they played the Buffalo Buttes. She signed a PTO for the weekends. And actually, our bonus episode, our latest bonus episode that went up on Monday, this should be up on Thursday, January 9th, but on Monday put up my interview from Jordan Geron. So now let's just get right into this news, folks. As you may know, in May, before the game movement started, stating that they would not play in a professional hockey league in the in North America, excuse me, not just the United States, but in North America. But since the CWHL closed just the day before May 2nd, which is when we got the first hashtag for the game, essentially... Not playing in North America meant not playing in the NWHL. Jordan Geron was one of those players that tweeted hashtag for the game. She has been a part of the PWHPA, has played in one of their showcases, and until recently was on their website. So this news that she signed a PTO with Boston was very interesting. She becomes the first player to have played in the NWHL that then transitioned to the PWHPA to then return to the NWHL. So that made her situation very unique. I'm going to play a small clip from my interview with Jordan Geron, but you can hear the entire bonus episode again at the Founding Four podcast. We stream or we house everything on Transistor FM radio, but you can find the Founding Four podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. But here's a quick clip from Jordan Geron. Uh, it was actually extremely random and last minute. Uh, I know... I no longer live in Buffalo anymore. I, I moved to Syracuse for a new job, and I was up this weekend visiting my boyfriend. He plays at Kenesha, so I was coming up to watch. They had a series with RIT, um, and I happened to go over to the, the hotel that the Pride were staying at to see Kaylee Fracken, who I played at BU with, and I took her out to, to Whole Foods to get some food, dropped her back off, and about 30 minutes later, their coach was texting me asking me if I wanted to play and I just happened to have my bag in the car. <laughs> get us into kind of the more of the logistics stage of things just because uh, you know I don't get an opportunity every time to talk to uh, again a player that's kind of seen both sides so um, first first kind of logistic going off of what you said is uh, to your knowledge does your participation in a PTO in the NWHL eliminate you from being able to participate in any PWHPA showcases upcoming? 
Um, yes, prior to the prior to the game, about two hours before I played yesterday, when that media announcement went out around 5:45, I received the text from someone in the PWHBA um, stating that I will be removed from all future events and rosters. Um, I think. I mean, I, I talked to the coaches after the game. They were really excited with with how the weekend went and with me as a player. And um, I, we're going to have more conversations. I think they just, obviously, with everything going on right after the game, they didn't want to just throw a bunch of things at me. I know they were trying to catch a flight. So um, all that's really been said is that we're gonna we'll talk this week. We'll work out what everything looks like. And um, I mean, I plan on being in Boston next week for practice on Thursday. Um, I've got, obviously I've got a lot of good friends there for, in terms of places to stay and, um, we'll just go from there. I, I think well, those, those questions will be answered in, in the days to come. And if you listen to that full episode, I say it there. I don't necessarily know that this is a sweeping indictment on the PWHPA or the NWHL. I think this is an opportunity, however, to... Regardless of what your particular your particular flavor of women's professional hockey or post-college hockey is, there are opportunities for growth. That is without question. If the, and I have mentioned this in the nine newsletter. I talk a lot. I kind of use the phrase that I see the PWHPA and the NWHL, at least right now, as two sides of the same coin. Right now, let's be honest, folks. Regardless of the situation, women's hockey players post-college are not being paid a livable wage. Perhaps with the exception of at least the USA national team. I honestly don't know what the Canadian stipends are, but that's for your elite level players that are on national teams. I have no idea what the stipends are for other teams, but considering that the U.S. team just recently, as recently as the 2017 World Championships to be exact, when the United States was hosting, um, and we had the hashtag be bold for change, that's a very recent development. So I not only do I think that it's a very limited amount of women's professional hockey players that make a living wage, and let's just for argument's sake that that's 45K and above, $45,000 and more. Not only do I think that it's a very few players and because and through their national teams that are making a living and or are getting sponsorships, but again, it's hard to get a sponsorship when you're not on a national team. Not impossible, but highly unlikely and improbable. Um, But national team players, Finland, we know Sweden just had their version of uh, for the game, it's for the future. When you think of Switzerland, all of these teams, there are very few resources. So there are very few players, again, to my original point, that are making a living playing hockey. They're not making any money in the PWHPA. They're making some money, and that money has increased, but particularly through the 50-50 split in the NWHL. Jordan's story tells me that there are players in the PWHPA model that for one reason or another are not able to play as many games as they would like to play in their prime when they are still very active and still very able and still very willing to play professional hockey. 
But I would remind folks to listen to an interview and or an interview that I did with Katie Fitzgerald, where she mentioned that because of her particular job in retail, retail and restaurant workers are often expected to work not only weekends and nights, but holidays and different days, essentially when the quote unquote traditional when the, when the traditional workday is over because you want people when they're done from work to go shopping or to eat food at your restaurant. So it's a little bit counter to that traditional work day or work week. And so Katie Fitzgerald, she mentioned that the NWHL actually would have been difficult for her because she is being promoted or has been promoted in her particular situation. She would have had to either decline that promotion or find a new job or not play hockey had the PWHPA not come around. Um, And so I'll have the clip of that. Actually, let me play that clip for you right here. So what I'm really trying to ask, Katie, is from that perspective, knowing that right now still in all of the versions of hockey in North America, that there still is this this need for for players to have an income. Mm -hmm. Um, With this structure... Um, are you okay to maybe have less games to then be able to, you know, you just said you got a, a work promotion. Are you okay to do that? Do you wish you could have a little more games? Um, but, you know, what's, uh, is there like a balance between what you experienced in the NWHL and what you're experiencing now in the PWHPA? Like, just give me a sense of, of you know, where you're at with that and, and what would be like the sweet spot for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously the PWHPA, with it being showcases, not every weekend we have games, and each um, region has a team. They might be organizing exhibition games if they can with other teams in the area, whether that be college or junior teams or this or that. Um, So it is a bit different, and you do practice. We still, our team at least practices three days a week, so it's good to be on the ice, but it is a bit of a grind. Um, with more time between games, which is the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been a bit of an adjustment, but for me, it has been almost like a blessing in disguise. It's been awesome to be a part of this movement and with this group, it's been a privilege, um, but it has also really helped me with my adjusting to my new role in my job, which, so it's full-time during the day. And since I work retail, it's sometimes it's on weekends at nights like this, that the hours are like non-traditional uh, from a nine to five job. So with the NWHL upping its game total and having two games per weekend and having, you know, more weekends and this and that, I don't know if I would have been able to keep my job, the job that I have, or I wouldn't have been able to be promoted or I probably wouldn't, if I can't work weekends, then retail isn't really, going to be what is best so I it would have just been I would have had to pick between my job and hockey which is always a difficult decision that unfortunately female athletes in general have to make whether it's you know hockey some soccer players some of the softball players there comes a point where you have to decide what's best for you to make a living um because you know rent's got to get paid bills have to get paid um so obviously we want a full season more than the 16 NWHL games we pre- played previously, but um, any more than that is kind of tough to get 
at least I'm speaking for only myself. Obviously, most people work nine to five Monday through Friday. So weekend games do work for them. But um, for me specifically, it would have been a difficult decision um, had the PWHPA movement not begun. And again, that's Katie Fitzgerald talking about why the PWHPA made some more sense for her. So you have Jordan Duran saying that the PWHPL, the PWHPA, excuse me, no longer suited her needs. You had Katie Fitzgerald saying that the NWHL no longer suits her needs. So we don't have the right mix yet, folks. We maybe have that for your elite level athletes. And really, that's it. So when you're talking about, and and I'm going to stay here for a little bit because something that really burns my grits is anyone from Gary Bettman to other people saying that there is not enough talent to fill more than five teams um, in a women's pro league. I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that's the case at all. Um... Because again, if you had just USA Hockey and and Hockey Canada playing, if you go to their expanded roster, I mean, that's about four teams right there if every single one of them played. But then if you go past their 40-player roster and then you go past those players that maybe um, have fallen out of favor with their national team and then you go to some European national teams and now we're just talking national teams, right? Or those who are close to the radar in national teams. That's not talking about talent that maybe is not on the radar at all (laughs) and maybe hasn't been on the radar for a while uh, when it comes to national teams. There's a particular name that I was thinking... uh, those who know, know. Anyway, um, there's a few names, actually, but one in particular that I'm thinking. And if you know, you know. You know? Anyway, my point is that there's more talent just by me, you know, eyeballing real quick, spitballing on this podcast. To, there's, there's talent enough to fill more than five teams. What I do think is the case is not that there's not enough talent. I don't think that there is a committed investor um, to offer enough resources, also, let's just remember there are five teams right now in the NWHL. There were five teams when the CWHL closed its doors. So we've had more than five teams in women's professional ice hockey. It's just a matter of where is the money? Who are the investors? And who's at the helm? Um I'm trying to be, and I think I've always tried to be diplomatic, but I'm being very careful and very diplomatic, not because I think that anyone needs me to put on, you know, the, the, the kitty gloves with them, but because I, I, I get the sense that things right now in women's hockey are somewhat being sensationalized, and I don't appreciate that. I think we need to stick to the facts. And so the facts as I see them is that right now, the truth of the matter is that there is a difference of opinion when it comes to leadership. And I've heard, I think Haley Wickenheiser says it, that she sees a a leadership problem. Well, I think she might be right, but maybe I want to explain this. The thing about leadership is every leader has their way of doing things. However, as a leader, you're only as good of a leader as those who are following you. And there are a lot of reasons that you might fall out of favor as a leader. Um, 
including that you're doing things that are wrong and that no longer serve the greater public. And, um, but then there's also politics, right? Uh, there's, there's politics to these kinds of things. And I think that there is a mix of all of that that has happened, not only in the past several months, but over the past several years when it comes to women's hockey. And I talked to Liz Knox. She said that one of the things that the PWHPA did as, or as they were evolving into the PWHPA and for the game, you reach out to people who you know and who you trust. There's nothing wrong with that. However, There comes a point in time as leadership where you have to find a way to earn the trust of people that you don't have the trust of. And there comes a time as a leader where if you have a small circle of like-minded individuals, you eventually have to broaden how you think of things in order to be successful. I think that... Right now, women's hockey, we have a situation where leadership is finding it difficult to either appear as though they are more than just a small group of like-minded individuals at the helm and are also having a difficult time gaining or regaining the trust uh, of people that they want to work with for the first time or maybe have worked with in the past and hope to work with in the future. I think that's where we're at right now. I, again, don't want it to be a sweeping indictment of any particular person, particular league or setup of women's hockey. I think these are just the facts as I see them. Um, I see, I see that as, as factual. Right now, we do, in a, in a sense, have a leadership issue, and there are leaders that are going to have to maneuver a little bit differently. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is necessarily wrong, but again, as a leader, you are judged by your ability to lead and the folks that follow. And so sometimes you have to recalibrate and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a big believer in the Tuckman's model of group phase theory. You should go look that up. I'll put a link in there. Um, and these things happen, the ebbs and the flows, the conflict of life happens. And we're definitely in the conflict, folks. We are in the conflict. And I think Jordan Geron, if you listen to the the podcast, she alludes, she alludes to that, the bonus episode, she alludes to that. And it's been difficult for her, just like it's been difficult for people to, Katie Fitzgerald talked about it being difficult for her. And these are not fun situations to be in when you choose one style of leadership over the other, or one method of growing the game over the other. But that's where we're at right now. I think that we will see that both sides are going to need to recalibrate And if they end up recalibrating and moving further apart or moving closer together, only time will tell. I think both are plausible. It's also very possible that something else comes in. So I didn't expect to spend as much time on this, but I thought it was, you know, I put out that interview. I saw that a lot of people reacted to Jordan Duran being removed from the PWHPA website. Am I surprised? No. Was Jordan surprised? No. Do I understand why people have a bad taste in their mouth? Eh, I mean, maybe, perhaps. Maybe, perhaps. I think um, 
you know, it all, it all depends on how that message was delivered. Jordan didn't get into that with me. I have, I, I don't know. She just said someone from the PWHPA reached out to her. I do think though, that people are reacting to messaging that they've seen from the PWHPA in the past and perhaps making some assumptions. I don't know if those assumptions are correct or not. We'll have to find out and see. Um, if Jordan or anyone else talks a little bit more about that. Anyway, that, that's kind of how I see it right now. Just wanted to get that out of the way. But if you want to hear from Jordan Ron, and I think you should, I really do my best to, I offer my opinion from time to time, but almost always supported by what I've heard directly from players. I think that's extremely important to do because I can have my opinions till the cows come home, but I don't play professional women's ice hockey. I've never played hockey ever in my life. And so at the end of the day, my opinions are just that. And I'm not in, in a position where it's my job to make these decisions. It is my job to analyze the decisions, but not necessarily to make them. So go listen to that bonus episode with me talking with Jordan Geron. All right, for the recap, we had, of course, Jordan Geron I talked about. She joined the Boston Pride. The Boston Pride were playing in Buffalo. Buffalo uh, was recently swept by the Riveters. We talked about that last week, and they get swept again here. The Boston Pride is able to get both wins on the weekend. I mentioned that Jordan Duran, she was able to record some points. Now let's talk about this. On Saturday, we get a uh, a 5-2 game in favor of the Boston Pride. By Sunday, that's swelled to 7-2. to Things actually, Buffalo got started early in this game on Sunday and then just the Boston Pride did Boston type things and they win that game seven to two. Also in my interview with Jordan Jerome, you hear her talk about, I mean, it's not too bad to be on a team that now is a perfect 17 and O. And she talks on, on the bonus episode about from her coming in, what she sees, um, what it is about this Boston team that she sees that makes them so successful. So again, go listen to that. The other part of the recap, we had the Minnesota Whitecaps. They were in New Jersey as the Riveters hosted the Whitecaps. The Connecticut Whale had the weekend off. And the Riveters split this series. It's the first uh, time playing home in quite some time. And they split this series. Again, they got the sweep over Buffalo. at the. They had the Buffalo Believes Outdoor Classic. And then they had the other game at the traditional facility. They get a sweep. In the weekend, it was a 2-0 win for the Whitecaps, the visiting Whitecaps on Saturday, and then a 3-1 final in favor of the Riveters on Sunday. But I spoke to Kelly Nash and I spoke to Colleen Murphy this weekend from the Riveters series. It's my first time getting to a Riveters home game this weekend. And so here's my conversation first with Kelly Nash. Uh, and I think that a lot of news, there was a lot of attention given to Ashley Johnston, who had signed a PTO last weekend. So not a lot of folks, it doesn't seem like, spoke to Kelly Nash. I did speak to her. But of course, coming into this weekend, the other piece of news, actually, and I forgot to mention it with signings, but I'll mention it now. I can't believe I forgot this one, folks. But Ashley Stretch Johnston is going to finish the season with the Metropolitan Riveters, yes, the captain is back, wearing number 25, no nameplate as of yet, but she will finish the season with 
the Riveters and was in New Jersey for this series. But here is Kelly Nash talking about her return. Looks like one of the OGs for the Riveters was doing a little recruiting. Kelly Nash with her story, how she got back with the Riveters and what she makes of the season so far. Audio, okay. Yeah, no video. <laughs> Nervous. How long is this? Two oh, questions? Yeah. Keep it, keep it. We'll see how, we'll see how we are just talking. Just talking. Just, just us talking. <laughs> uh, no, I'll use this for the podcast. So, okay. um, All right, Kelly Nash, this is your first home game with the Riveters. Uh, how are you feeling out there? What is this, three games in? Three games in, a couple practices in. Um, I definitely feel a lot better tonight than I did last weekend. Um, the travel to Buffalo, playing against Buffalo, that was it, it was a lot to take in right away. So I feel a little bit more comfortable here, especially in front of a home crowd and everything. Yeah, for sure. So let's go back a little bit. You know, we didn't get you in the first half of the season. So uh, what made this all come together? You were like, you know what? First game, I'm going to go all the way up to Buffalo on a road trip. That's when we're getting it started. Yeah, my former teammates are probably like, she never even came the last two years to a trip to Buffalo. Um, Honestly, I was getting my life situated with the new job, new city and everything. And then uh, Kira Dazdal really really worked hard to, to um, get me out to one practice. I committed to one practice, and I was like, all right, no strings attached. And she was like, well, like, maybe one string. And, um, and I wasn't sure with, like, the travel and how to get places, but literally Kira and I live right by each other. We work next to each other. Moose and I are at the same company. Uh, it, was, it was a no-brainer at that point. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, it, in the well, I guess you should say before those practices, were you on the ice? Because you're not with Princeton anymore. I have not been on the ice very regularly. I gave maybe one private lesson. <laughs> um, Kira got married in November. They had a team bride versus team groom game. If that counts for anything, um, but but definitely trying to get my feet back under me. It's probably been a little bit noticeable. So hoping to get on the ice as much as possible the rest of the season. So when you're coming into a team, obviously you've played with the Rivers before, but I mean, even even since you started that first year, it's kind of been in and out just with a lot of different commitments that you've had. So when you're coming into this season this year, you're kind of like a, I don't know, hybrid veteran. (laughs) Any expectations or, or, you know, how have you been uh, fitting into the the mold of this team this year? Yeah, I I like that term, hybrid veteran. I'd say pretty well. I mean, honestly, it's a great group group of girls, and that was the one thing that, like, Kira, Packer, um, Moose, everyone has been saying, that they they really love the group. Um, So, honestly, I feel really comfortable just third game in. I feel like part of the team and everything. Um, The young ones uh, bring a lot of energy for sure, so it's it's great for me. I'm not going to say my age right now, but they definitely are keeping me young right now, and i got to ask what songs play in the locker room. And, but it's good. It's all good. I feel good with the team for sure. And so today we weren't able to, to get past the Whitecaps. Um, what would you like to see the team be able to kind of just tighten up? It's not much you're going to do from one day to the next, but um, what are some things that you think you can control that, that maybe slipped away today? Um, I mean, I definitely think we, we came out with a lot of energy, and obviously from a coaching perspective, everybody always talks about consistency, which is really hard to do for a full 60 minutes. Um, but trying to do that as much as possible and carry that over to, to tomorrow's game I think will be beneficial. Um, I think it was great. We had the puck on our stick a lot of the time. I'd say a couple you know, decision-making things going in the offensive zone. I think we had a few, few more turnovers at that offensive zone blue line than we'd like to. Um, so cleaning up things like that, but I mean, 
when I was a coach and that used to happen, I used to always say it could be worse. You know, we wouldn't, if we don't have the puck on our stick to even do that, we are in a worse situation. So I think a couple of tweaks tomorrow and we'll be ready to go for sure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Kelly. All right, that was forward Kelly Nash from the Riveters. You heard her joking around how some of her teammates from years past uh, probably are poking fun that she didn't travel to Buffalo very often. And then, boom, her first game in season five, she heads up there. Kelly Nash has not played a complete season at all uh, as a member of the NWHL. She That's where that hybrid veteran comes in. She had coaching commitments at Princeton. As she mentioned, she's not with Princeton anymore, has a different job. This, again, is a season that is, is incomplete. She's starting in the middle here, but is really excited to be a part of this team. And you see that she's cracked the lineup uh, Bobo Carton B actually has been one of the players that has been scratched since Kelly Nash has come back. But uh, I think that Evo Mosek likes what he sees in Kelly Nash. I think Riveters fans certainly know what she can bring to the table. So that's Kelly Nash. But again, on Sunday, it was a little bit better of a game. Riveters able to put some things together. Uh, they were missing that final touch on Saturday, even parts of the game on Sunday. Some of this game, I have to be honest, especially when it got really exciting. I was actually talking to Jordan Duran in the second period of this game, which I can tell you was extremely exciting. I was standing on the other side of the glass from where Matt Falkenberry and Anya Packer sit, and Anya would look back every once in a while and, and kind of mouth to me, did you see that? And I'm like, yes, I did, but I'm also still on the phone with Jordan. So I missed some of the action, but I did get to see the game-winning goal. I saw the last two goals that the Riveters scored. The game-winning goal, her first career goal, um, and Colleen Murphy. Colleen Murphy gets it done. She gets the game-winning goal. She had an epic block on Saturday. There was an empty net for the Minnesota Whitecaps. Allie Thunstrom, of all folks, looking at that empty net, and Colleen Murphy comes up big. I really wanted it to be the save of the week. I don't think we have save of the week at the time that I'm recording this, but my vote goes to Colleen Murphy. Here she is after Sunday's win. Colleen Murphy, defender for the men, uh, excuse me, defender for the Metropolitan Riveters. A few of them, okay. not, not everyone. Everybody. Not everyone. Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to start by asking about that massive block yesterday. Some fans say it might be save of the week. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I think I just got a little bit lucky there. I just tried to get in the way. Um, I'm glad that I, I got in the way of it, and it just happened to work out for me. So it's good. Uh, your first goal, finally. Yeah. You, you thought you scored it a couple of times. Yeah. When you finally score it and it's in a big moment like that, how much more maybe does that mean to you? Oh, it's huge. I mean, um, it's not just necessarily just for me scoring, it's for the team, right? So we needed that goal. Uh, I think we were really bearing down there. Um, you know, they outshot us, but I think we had a really good um, chance there. So I'm just glad I could bury it. Where you scored from? You were yeah. down in the slot. You, I'm watching from a unique angle, maybe behind the net, and you kind of creep down, creep down, and pack her loops around and, mm -hmm. and find you. Were you going aiming top shelf the whole way? I just knew I had to get it up. Um, I knew Love was, was crouching down. I know she's pretty good down low, so um, I figured I just didn't want to get it blocked. So quick shot, and then it you know, luckily went over her glove side there. So it was a great pass. Yeah, you got three wins in the last four games, helping the team build a little bit of momentum, yeah. especially with a lot of these home games. Right. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, especially the second half of the season, I think, you know, the first half we were trying to figure each other out. And now that we're finally gaining some, some momentum um, and really creating chemistry with each other, 
um, we can really start going and have a really good second half. I ask you also just about being one of the few players from North Carolina. I got a nice following uh, down there, but also Alyssa Gallardi now with the Canes. I mean, what what do you think that means for women's hockey and women's and girls hockey in North Carolina? Sure, I mean it's huge. No matter what side you're on, whatever you believe, I think especially with the Canes and girls hockey in the Carolinas, um, they just want to grow it, you know, together. And with Alyssa doing great job with the Hurricanes, um, and you know we're helping out. We're we're teaming up with as many stuff as we can. Hopefully we can get something down there eventually at one point, maybe an off-site game. Or, um, but I just know the support that we get in Carolina is unparalleled. Go catch that bus, eh? Uh, thanks, guys. All right, take thanks, care. Dan. Thanks. All right. And you heard from Colleen, and I, I, I botched her intro. I almost said Minnesota Whitecaps. She actually rode, I believe, to the airport with the Minnesota Whitecaps, so she, she didn't have much time to talk with Dan Rice and I. That's the other voice that you heard there um, But because she had a flight to catch, but that's because she is based out of North Carolina. And I did get to ask her about a former NWHL player and a member of the players' board of the PWHPA, also recently named to the staff of the Carolina Hurricanes, and of course, that's Alyssa Gallardi. Colleen Murphy, being from North Carolina, there's a handful of players that are from North Carolina in the pro ranks on the women's side, and they definitely stick together. So I had to ask her a little bit about that, being that I went to school in North Carolina. Okay, so I gave you the recap. We gave you the signings, including Jordan Geron with a PTO expected to sign with Boston. Ashley Johnston on a PTO. Last we spoke here on the podcast. Now she is signed with the Riveters. Your NWHL Veda player, it's not player, it's players of the week. Those honors go to Amanda Levier and Sam Walther. We've had co-players of the week before, but never have they both been goalies. And when I tell you, again, I'm heartbroken that I was there live and kind of missed the second period in particular, but both had excellent performances this past weekend. Amanda Levier, Sam Walther being honored for their performances. Um... (laughs) Mike Murphy wrote this up for the NWHL.Zone. He writes, with complete all-star rosters expected to be released on Thursday, this may not be the only honors Levier and Walther earn this week. So by the time you hear this, the rosters will be announced. I'll get into some of the picks that I have and the three stars that we know of so far. But uh, Levier had a 34-save game on Sunday in the 3-1 loss. Um... So she she stopped all 34 shots that she faced the day before Saturday to get a shutout for the the Whitecaps. Again, they blanked the Riveters 2-0. Uh, as far as Walther, on Saturday she made 25 saves. Hold on, hold on to your hats, folks. By Sunday, by Sunday, she made 60 saves of her 61 shots faced. Only one player in Riveter's history has had a 61 save performance. That was Nana Fujimoto on November 15th, 2015. So not since season one in the regular season, I should say, because um, hello, anyone heard of a player, a goalie, Brienne McLaughlin? Pretty sure she was up there 60 plus to win the Isabel Cup in season two. Anyway, Nana Fujimoto 
61 save performance for the Riveters. So Sam Walther up there with Nana Fujimoto. Crazy. 966 save percentage for the weekend to get the Riveters their seventh win of the season, which... If we go to the standings, we talked about standings last week. We still have Boston, 34 points now, perfect 17-0 in first place. Minnesota hangs on in second place, 18 points, 8-4-2. But the Riveters bump to third place. They have 14 points, 7-8-1. Because Buffalo had back-to-back, they were swept back-to-back as a as a comedian I know who's also a Mets fan may say, Jim Brewer, Buffalo is the cleanest city in America because they just got swept twice. They got swept twice. I'm sorry, Buttes fans. I'm sure you think that was harsh. But I mean, you know, one, it's true. And two, it was kind of funny. And three, I got to get a Jim Brewer uh, reference in there. Anyway, Buffalo 13-0, 6-9-0, 6-9-0 on the season. So they're still neck and neck there with the Riveters. But again, that, that sweep, the two sweeps didn't help them out, didn't help them out. You, and, you know, you got to feel for Buffalo. Their season has really teetered. They, they had, you know, a lot of their wins against the Connecticut Whale early. They also played Boston pretty early, which kind of, I think amounts to their kind of split uh their split record here but they got they have to find wins somewhere if they want to stay in the mix and not have to play in the play-in game which we're presuming we're presuming all five teams get to the playoffs which means that since there are five teams now we have a play-in game and then the semifinal so if they really want to get a buy into the semifinal they have to jump up into that third spot because four and five, four, fourth place, fifth place will do the play-in game. But right now, Buffalo sits in fourth place. Again, 13 points, 6-9-0. Connecticut Whale, they were off for the weekend. Uh, they have 12 losses, two points on the season. Hey, folks. Eric Ayala here. Just want to thank you for listening to the Founding Four podcast. We are an independently run NWHL-centric women's hockey podcast. Yes, we focus mostly on the NWHL. That's where the name Founding Four came from. However, we have your bonus episodes. We go back into the history of women's hockey. We have it all for you. Thank you so much to those who are part of the Patreon posse. For a sl- the price of a slice of New York pizza a month, you can help me sustain this podcast. But if you can't do that, please make sure that in addition to listening every week, we go up on Thursdays, that you are liking, that you are subscribing, and that you are sharing. I, I want to see more followers on-, on the Twitter machine, as I like to say. I, I want to see more listens. There's a lot of good stuff here, we hope. I always try to have players' voices on the podcast. I prioritize that. So let someone know listen with a friend and here we go let's get back into this episode our 10th episode of this season five but we're going to get into now the nwhl three stars that are going to the all-star game via fan vote let's go back to the show
the NWHL announced that they were going to do a fan vote. This is the all-star fan vote. Three players would be voted in by the fans. It's called the all-star fan vote hat trick. I think this is the first year they said hat trick. I could be wrong. Someone let me know about that. Anyway, 15,000 ballots were cast and three names have risen to the top. And they they represent three different teams. Not all founding four teams, though. Here we go. Alexi Bender, fourth-year defender from the Boston Pride. One of your three stars. Rebecca Moose Morse, fourth-year defender from the Riveters. One of your three stars. And to round it out, Audra Richards, who has four goals and... That was weak. That was a little better. Six assists. Look at you, buddy. Getting it done. Six. Six assists. Six apples for 10 points in 14 games. Audra Richards of the Minnesota Whitecaps. You are an all-star. Audra Richards we've had on the show. Moose opened up this season. So make sure you listen to her episode talking about would she be a forward? Would she be a defender? Making the decision to come back to the NWHL. All there on the Founding Four podcast. Talk to Audra Richards if you didn't get the joke. Challenged her. She had nine goals. No assists last year. She's already got 10 points this season. We're not even through. 10 points and six of those 10 points coming from an assist. Good job, Audra Richards. Also, a little teaser in case you don't follow Audra Richards on Twitter. Sounds like the Richards family is going to be responsible for the new Minnesota Whitecaps mascot. She's asking if folks have any guesses for, and I quote, his name. So it is uh, It is a he. So it would appear. But uh, Audra Richards, good follow. Rebecca Moose Morris, alternate captain for the Riveters this year. She's got a great story. Listen to our episode with her and Lexi Bender. Lexi Bender got a lot of love from not only women's hockey or yeah women's hockey to Seattle but also NHL to Seattle I think maybe that that put her over the edge that maybe put her over the edge she's a plus 17 and she's got 11 points nine assists two goals for Lexi Bender I mean that's not so bad not so bad at all in 15 games Moose has three goals four assists for seven points. So congratulations, Alexi Bender, Rebecca Moose-Morris, and Audra Richards. Ooh, got the sirens. Got the sirens rolling and whoop, whoop. That's right. All right, so I said in on Twitter that I would reveal my all-star ballad, but I have a confession to make. I did not vote, folks. I did not exercise my right to vote. I do not. I'm not necessarily happy about this, but here's why I didn't. First of all, picking only three players is is basically impossible. The way I would vote as a fan and the way I would vote as a media member are different. And it was supposed to be a fan vote, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll vote as a fan, but I kept analyzing things as a media member, so I don't know. I, I, was, I was having a lot of trouble, so I didn't, I didn't vote, but I figured I will run through and workshop here on the podcast the people that I think should absolutely, without question, 
be all-stars. And so we already know 11 of the names. So just to recap, all of the five-timers, the five-timers club, every player who's still playing in the NWHL that has played all five seasons of the NWHL is automatically in. So that includes your captains, Madison Packer for Team Packer, Jillian Dempsey for Team Dempsey. Then you have Kaylee Fratkin, Jordan Brickner, Shannon Doyle, Elena Orlando, Kira Dostal, and Kareen Bowie. Those eight players already in. I just gave you three of the fan vote hat trick players, Lexi Bender, Rebecca Moose, Morse, and Audra Richards. All right, so that's another three players. We have 11 players already named. When I'm thinking about who needs to be at this all-star game, I did try to pick a player from every from every team. I didn't I didn't necessarily look look forward D. Uh, but here are here are the names that I think uh, should be without question. So this is for you, Jillian Dempsey. This is for you, Madison Packer. I'm sure you listen to the podcast every week. This is who I think you should pick, regardless of the fact that this will be aired after you have already picked your, your team. It doesn't matter. I'm putting this out there in, in the ether, in, in the universe. Allie Thunstrom. Allie Thunstrom needs to be an all-star. A few reasons. One, I saw her absolutely, positively take over a game in Connecticut. She took over the game. She took over the game. Got a hat trick, almost got four goals. And she is a dynamic player. She she is only a hand, one of a handful of other players with a shorthanded goal. She can almost score and change a game at will. Allie Thunstrom. This is in no particular order, by the way. Brooke Stacy. Brooke Stacy de- dealt with a little bit of an injury. And so she's dropped a little bit as far as uh, the goal-scoring leaders. But Brooke Stacy looked real good for Buffalo early. Another player just seems to be able to score. Uh, and I like it. I like how Brooke Stacy plays. She's got some finesse. She's got some finesse to her game. Came in guns blazing to get things started. Again, dealing with some injury. But Brooke Stacy. Also from... The Buffalo Buttes. She's a rookie. Alternate captain. The one. The only. Marie-Jo Pelletier. Also known, as I like to say, as the notorious MJP. Notorious MJP. She, listen, if I were going to rank these players, which I am not, this is random, MJP is my top pick. If I only had one pick for an all-star, I'm picking MJP. I'm picking MJP. I like I like defenders. I like some good defense. She can score. She's had some clutch goals for her team. Marie-Jo Pelletier, all-star in my book. This pick, I think, might be under the radar. If you listen to me on the call the last time Connecticut played that last Sunday game, Gave a lot of love to this player. 
she's she's also one of three sisters. So um, I'm one of three. I'm the oldest, the eldest, if you will. I have a, a very uh, strong affinity and soft spot for kind of like, you know, a charm style power of three. I think that's a legit thing. Three sisters is kind of boss. I'm just saying it sometimes sucks, but more often than not, it's pretty boss. And that's Lexi Lang. I like, I like how Lexi Lang plays. She's, she's not, she's not, I wouldn't say gritty. She's intense. She has an intensity to her game. She'll take a gritty goal. She'll, she'll give you a pretty goal. She just wants to score. She wants to puck. She wants to score. She wants to win. Lexi Lang, all-star selection. You know, I I did not feel the need to say this name because I think it's pretty dang obvious. But you never know. McKenna Brand. McKenna Brand. 26 points. 14 goals. 14 goals. She's crushing it. She is the, the leader in goals on, on the Boston Pride. Right behind her, Jillian Dempsey. She's only second in points behind Jillian Dempsey. That alone tells you she's pretty boss. Jillian Dempsey's a boss. McKenna Brand is a boss. McKenna Brand, I like for all-star. Now you look into the Connecticut whale. Now this one is tough. I will, I will tell you this one is tough because this is a team that's struggling. They're struggling to win. They need offense. And for that reason... And for that reason, I gave it to Emma Vlasic. Emma Vlasic has found a scoring touch for a team that desperately needs it. Desperately needs it. And you can't discount that. So Emma Vlasic is my pick Oof, for the Connecticut Well, This one was tough. This one was tough. Shannon Doyle's already an all-star. Jordan Brickner. Has been dealing with injury, but also already an all-star. Elena Orlando, already an all-star. Um, Taylor Marchin, I think, is another player. Unfortunately, in all-star games, you know, lockdown defenders don't always get a nod, you know. And if you're looking at offense... Um, Again, it's it's tough. And and with so many defenders already going to the All-Star game for the Connecticut Whale, I don't know, tossing Taylor Marchin in there, I think she, she you know, deserves a look. But I, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. You don't want to oversaturate the market, so to speak. Although, I guess we'll see how many Boston Pride players go to the All-Star game. But, uh, all right. Other person I have on my list, Kendall Cornine. Kendall Cornine. She, uh, she's getting it done uh, for this Riveters team, lighting a little bit of fire, going back and forth toe-to-toe with a Madison Packer. So <laughs> that's not too bad. Kate Leary also crushing it. Uh, unfortunately, because of that shutout, her, her point streak snapped, but got right back at it for that 3-1 to victory uh, against the Whitecaps, uh, that victory for the Riveters. I think you got to give Leary a little bit of love there. All right. So now when it comes to goalies, oof, when it comes to goalies, man, you know, this is tough. I think you kind of defer to the three surefire starters, but then that fourth spot for a goalie, 
I think that's tough. All right, so you have Sam Walther, you have Lovisa Salander. I'm thinking I could be wrong, but with Dempsey and Packer as two of the captains, I'm thinking they're probably going to go with with the goalies, right, that they know. So Lovisa Salander, goalie for the Boston Pride. Sam Walther, goalie for the Metropolitan Riveters. I'm thinking they're going. It's tough to make an argument against Amanda Levier. The Minnesota Whitecaps having an up-and-down season, but Levier keeps them in games. You got to give it to Lev. So now who does that fourth goalie spot go to? Go to? <sighs> if this were a few weeks ago, you say Sonia Shelley. Not without question. Without question, you say Sonia Shelley. Hasn't doesn't have a win, but keeps her team in games, right? Keeps that Connecticut whale team in games. Here's the thing though. As far as Connecticut is concerned, we have found that they have also Brooke Waleko. Waleko. That was the name of last week's episode. Brooke Waleko, I think I'm actually very put out that she was not uh, that she was not player of the week last week and that she did not get uh, save of the week. So I'm giving Waleko some love. Uh, but then you have Victoria Hansen. First shutout in the league this season goes to Victoria Hansen in her first start in her first season. She's playing, she's playing pretty well. Not all of those wins for the Pride belong to Lovisa Solander. Victoria Hansen has proven herself more than worthy of being on an undefeated team. <sighs> so uh, basically what I'm saying is, I don't know, folks. I want to hear from you. Who do you give that fourth goaltender spot to? Who do you give that? And Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even talk about Newman. By the numbers... If you go by save percentage, your top goaltender, Victoria Hansen, 931. Or excuse me, Lovisa Salander Salander with a 939. Victoria Hansen 931. And then Amanda Levier, 926. After 926, you have Brooke Waleko, 917. And after Waleko, 907. Kelsey Newman. Mariah Fujimagari, I think, started really strong for Buffalo, but we've seen that her time has been split with Newman. Yeah, I didn't even talk about Mariah Fujimagari. Again, if this was the first few months of the season, I thought she was an all-star. I thought she got robbed for, you know, star of the week a few times. But I don't know, that fourth spot, man. But you have to go, you have to go Salander, you have to go Levier. And again, I don't know. According to these numbers, Hansen, I mean, she has, you know, five wins though. Five wins. I, I don't know. What do you do there? Yeah, she has five wins, but Sonia Shelley has no wins. Kelsey Newman has three wins. It's tough. It's tough, folks. Let me know what you're thinking. Who should be the fourth goalie? It's tough. It's tough. All right. I went through the standings. I'll do it again one more time for you. Boston Pride, first place, 34 points. Minnesota Whitecaps, 18 points. In second, Riveters in third, 14 points. Fighting with Buffalo, who have 13 points. And Connecticut Whale, no points. Or excuse me, two points, no wins. Tough road for the Connecticut Whale. 
All right, folks, that is our show. I appreciate you letting me get into some bigger, broader WoHo stuff. Make sure you check out that interview with Jordan Duran. Uh, congratulations to all the all-stars, of course, the eight that we already mentioned, and Lexi Bender, Audra Richards, and Moose, who got in by way of the fan vote. Uh, hope you enjoyed our interviews with Kelly Nash and with Colleen Murphy. Who do you want to hear from on the podcast? Let me know. And as always, make sure you're following, liking, subscribing, sharing, and joining the Patreon posse for the Founding Four podcast. That's how we keep things moving. You can follow the Founding Four podcast at Founding Four Pod. You can follow me at elindsay 8 That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y 8 Until the next episode, by then we'll have the all-stars, so we'll break that down. This is Erica Ayala signing out.